Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, good evening, my dear friends, fans, and colleagues. No matter where you are or when you're listening, welcome back to my podcast, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Yes, uh, we are back on the air, and we're streaming live at 11 a.m. Pacific Wednesdays, or you can always catch us later from the archives at your convenience. We uh, are also on Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and Apple. And you know what? Uh, Even though we just started back this month in January of 2023, there are about 11 years of shows still in the archives there and very relevant for your listening pleasure. And if you go to blogtalk.com and you subscribe to the show, you don't have to rely on seeing one of my Facebook posts or being on my uh, newsletter email list to find out which shows are coming up each Wednesday. You will automatically get a reminder in your inbox um, on the day of the show. And you can catch it then or you can catch it later. So that's a great way to find out what we're talking about to make sure you don't miss topics that uh, you might really be interested in. And also, uh, thanks to all of you who've been sending your thanks about the return of the show. And uh, a shout out of thanks to Abigail Spinner McBride, uh, the artist of the opening and closing music for the show, which is titled Um Sekhmet, obviously an homage to our lion-headed Egyptian goddess of tenacity, strength, um, courage, uh, and she tells us all to set healthy boundaries uh, so, and, and do that without shame or guilt. So uh, if you're new to the show, I'm Karen Tate, and I'm the host here discussing topics like sex, power, religion, politics, with a broad spectrum of visionaries and forward thinkers, uh, men and women both from a sacred feminine or right brain point of view. Some call it the feminine consciousness or the shift away from patriarchal values so that we might manifest a new and much needed normal. Uh, These issues we talk about uh, could raise your consciousness or you know what, taken all together, we could help save the world. It's all stuff mom probably told you to never discuss at the dinner table. Yep, sex, religion, power, politics. I know I grew up in the South. And you know what? If we talked about those things at all, we certainly didn't do it at the dinner table. 
but I say, fear not, open your mind to what the status quo, the patriarchy, considers forbidden fruit, unlock your transformational toolkit, and empower yourself as you learn long-hidden truths from your home altar to the voting booth. Because you know what? Some of these things we know on an unconscious level, but we need to bring them to the front of our mind and raise our awareness so that uh, we can use these better ideas to help guide us in life. And you know what? We need to learn what denying the feminine face of God whether you see that as a deity, an archetype, or ideal, uh, or the feminine values in society, we need to see what losing all that in patriarchy has cost humanity, particularly women. So I want to invite you to stay tuned um, with me after my interview today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a number of things, including that new movie coming out, uh, which is um, nominated for an Oscar, uh, Women Talking. Uh, we're going to also talk about the radio signal from outer space that's been detected. And uh, we're going to talk about... Um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh and the new information that came out about him. So please uh, stick with me. But um, I'm going to turn my attention right now to uh, my wonderful guest who uh, has delighted me and honored me by returning to the show. Uh, she is uh, Judith Shaw. And uh, she is a New Orleans native and graduate of the San Francisco Art Institute. And uh, she's always been interested in myth, culture, and mysticism. Today she's with me to discuss how stories, myths, and uh, divinatory practices can help us deal uh, with the trauma and abuse we've endured in our life. Um, our topic is storytelling and divination as remedies for healing. Uh, we're going to look at Celtic myths, which give us insight into how society normalizes abuse and exploitation, and which archetypes or stories in, uh, in the Celtic goddess deck uh, lend themselves to recognizing trauma, abuse, or lack of self-worth. And Judith is going to explain how to use oracle decks as a tool for healing and raising awareness and how symbols and myths about uh, animals can also help someone dealing with past trauma and abuse. Um, you know, her work has been inspired by nature and ancient wisdom traditions, and it combines whimsy uh, and esoterica. She's going to be sharing a little story she's written, um, you know, toward the end of our interview. And, you know, her, her work is layered and textured with paint and ancient symbols. Her inspiration comes from the ancient wisdom and the visual symbols of many cultures. Um, in addition to her oil paintings uh, on canvas, she's created uh, oracle decks and fairy tales. Uh, the Celtic Goddess Oracle she published in 2017. The Animal Wisdom Oracle uh, just came out in December. And uh, her work's been used on book covers and calendars. Uh, it's been exhibited in San Francisco, Athens, New York, Taos, New Orleans, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, and it can be found in private collections worldwide. So Judith, <laughs> thank you for your patience, and uh, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Well, thank you so much for <clears throat> thank you so much for having me back. It's really an honor to be here and to speak with you about these topics. 
Well, you know, uh, I was really interested in the concept of uh, storytelling and divination, um, you know, being able to be used as a, as a way uh, to heal. And then you told me about myths uh, and stories that help us deal with trauma and abuse that maybe we've endured in our lives. Can you share a bit of that uh, with listeners? Um, sure. Well, I would say just, you know, generally speaking, um, myth is myth and stories are a way that we can, in the reading of them or listening to them, it will open up pathways for us that can lead us out of the darkness that we're in, perhaps because of trauma, illness, or grief that we've experienced that has thrown us into like unfamiliar territory. And so the the stories can help to lead us out of that. I think many people are probably pretty familiar with the 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 concept of the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell sort of you know made very uh, famous in his work and his study of myth. And in that type of a myth, the hero leaves home and is confronted with problems to solve and may, faces many challenges. And as the hero goes through these experiences, then he or she will ultimately become wiser and stronger. It's a journey from innocence to wisdom, from stagnation to rebirth. Um, And as we read or listen to these stories, we perhaps identify with the character. And we can be strengthened by the epiphanies that this character has, or perhaps we experience in stories, we experience characters who are really exhibiting undesirable traits and are revealing forms that we perhaps should avoid. Um, Hmm. And then the other thing I would say about our, in particular, the ancient stories from our ancestors, in these stories there's a theme that really runs through them all, which is that everything is connected. And that's what I think in our modern world we've really lost sight of as everything has gotten reduced to being a machine and all you have to do is fix the part and then it's all okay. But it's all connected. And the ancient stories help us as modern people to reconnect to the awe that we can experience by the natural world. Okay. Well, um, you know, let's maybe talk about some examples. Um, I know uh, you said you discovered elements in Celtic myth uh, that give us insight into how society uh, maybe normalizes abuse and exploitation. I think you mentioned the slandered wife. Uh, Yeah, the slandered wife is an archetype that is found in Celtic myth. And, you know, First, I just would have to say that it probably this archetype in the Celtic myths probably exists because of the patriarchal takeover of the old ways, because the Celtic myths were really never written down. And so we don't really, really know 100% what was really going on in them. The written, the writing down of these myths didn't begin until Christianity had really taken over in in the in the lands where the Celts lived. And so there was a different twist to things and somehow or another the women would get you know, would they would lose their power. 
only they couldn't really because they were really powerful. And so in the slandered wife um, archetype that's found in these, these myths, there will be a woman who is a goddess, and he's greatly loved. For instance, there's one, Branwen, and this one is from the Welsh tradition, and it was first written down in the Mabinogian, um, I think in the 1200s was when it was first written down. Um, I could, don't quote me on that. <laughs> anyway, she was the the sister of the king of what is now Wales. And in the old ways, which they were part of, the kingship was passed through the sister, not the king. And so the king was her brother, and it had been her mother who had been the one who had bestowed the kingship on him. And she ends up being her own choice. She fell in love with and married a, a Irish king who had come over to visit. And she goes back to Ireland with him. And now she's an outsider. She's not Irish. She's Welsh. And the king loved her. But the people didn't always love her. And she was very beautiful and very kind and generous. And, you know, just she was really great for everybody. But people were jealous of her, and so they began to speak badly about her, and then she ended up being, you know, just not treated well and abused by her husband and the people around her. And she then befriended a little starling, little bird starling, taught it how to bring a message to her brother, the king, King Bran, and uh, by the way, Bran and Bran also means raven, and Branwen means little raven. Uh, anyway, the starling goes, delivers the message. Now they know she's in trouble. They gather the forces. They go off to rescue her, and um, really many horrible. It was a terrible war. People, it was just terrible. All kinds of terrible things kept ha- happening. But um, she did end up shutting her husband out of her life, and, of course, more brutality still ensued, and she died of a broken heart. But her whole story is infused with love and using love to unite the lands and love that allowed forgiveness and the ongoing quest for peace. But it was the fact that she was the other, that she was mistrusted and abused. And we see the same thing with another story, which is also from the Welsh tradition, the story of Rhiannon, who was a goddess who came from the other world. And she, there was a king in the land of humans that she decided she wanted him as her, her husband. And so there's a beautiful part in the beginning of the story where she's riding this white horse from the other world, and Pwil was the king's name, and he sees her and she's he's in you know enchanted and entranced and he wants to catch her and find out who she is and he keeps chasing her and no matter what he can't catch her until finally finally after hours and hours in frustration he calls out please lady stop and she stops and she says that's all I needed was for you to say please basically so she was catching him <laughs> And uh, anyway, it's a very, very, very long story, but she ends up, uh, after he goes through many trials and tribulations to win her hand, she ends up marrying him, now leaving the land of the gods and goddesses and going to the human world, 
Now she is the other again, and people become jealous of her. And she gives birth, which everyone's very excited about, but some of the women who were attending her birth who were very jealous of her decided they wanted to really get her in trouble, and they stole her child and got, like, pig's blood, I think it was, and smeared it all over her and accused her of killing her own child. And then she's, like, punished and made to, like, stand at the gate and carry people like a horse to to the, the palace, which she, you know, submitted to with humility and did it. And finally the child is found, and now she is released back. And then many, many, many more things happen. But again, it's this othering of somebody that allows society to then say, okay, well, this is another, and so this person must not be good, and let's do these bad things. Yeah. Well, you know what I couldn't help but think about? I'm a big Outlander fan, and I think about uh, Claire, the woman who's in love with Jamie. She's English, he's Scottish, and they call her Sassanek, which I think is, uh, you know, means like someone from somewhere else or an outsider, you know, and uh, just made me think about... that story, uh, that story is almost a contemporary myth, um, uh, you know, similar to what, uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, but there, I think there are elements there. I mean, we, we see that in, with our modern storytelling today. A lot of it does go back and draw from the ancient myths. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when we think about other, it's always easy to do bad things to other, right? Uh, Somebody who doesn't look like us, has a different religion, maybe they live in a different country. And, you know, I've always thought Americans who are so isolated with two um, oceans on both sides of us, we're really so isolated from the rest of the world. And um, it's so easy to pass judgment or say these other people, you know, who don't live here, on the continent with us or valueless uh, but but you know um, closer to home we do the same thing um, to our neighbors uh, you know if, if they're different than us don't we yeah we do and I mean you know that's kind of like both the sad and the beautiful thing about America is we have you know let's just for a moment put aside the genocide that actually created this country, <laughs> the genocide of the indigenous people who were living here. But, you know, they're actually the only true Americans. But everybody else, you know, they're descendants of immigrants. And yet, as we've seen really in recent years, but not only, there's always this hatred of then the new immigrants who come because they're the others. And it's yeah. just like, I think it all must come from fear. It's like every, it's like this fear that there's not going to be enough and there's only enough for me and mine and not enough for me and the others. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, well, you know, I heard um, uh, Bill Clinton talk on um, 
uh, a talk show oh, a long time ago, and he actually said that. He said, uh, we, there, we have so much abundance, you know, here in the world, here in this country, but, um, you know, everyone, uh, it, it's just, it's a distribution problem, and people are just so afraid they're not going to get theirs, you know, that uh, this scarcity issue, you know, there's not enough pieces of the pie uh, to, to go around, and it's easier to... Uh, well, I'm, I'm starting to elaborate here. You know, that's pretty much where, you know, his uh, comments stopped. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, it, it's like we're, we're um, you know, we don't want to share. You know, we don't want to share our toys. You know, we have to amass, uh, you know, and, and become hoarders almost, uh, you know, because we're so afraid we're, we're going to uh, have lack. Um, you know, when actually, um, you know, there's so much to really be had uh, if if we could let go of, you know, maybe it's a primal thing. You know, it's a survival issue. You know, that might be true, though. You, what you just said, it really reminds me of a conversation I was just having with my sister a few days ago. She was talking about somebody she had heard and I can't even remember the person's name, but it was looking at gun violence in this country and why do we have so much and other places, most other, no, no place else has what we have. And if you look at like the Western style democracies, well, we are really the only one that doesn't have any kind of a safety net for people. And so I think that, you know, it's like then that fear and that othering really gets amped up because everyone knows that if something goes wrong, you got nothing to catch you. And so there's all this fear. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, but yet at the same and at the same time, I mean, you know, it's the system that's broken. You know, at the same time, you yeah. know, people haven't learned in school about, for instance, democratic socialism that the Scandinavian countries uh, so enjoy, and um, you know, and and, and they're uh, you know have been said to be the happiest uh, you know people on earth. And yeah, they pay more taxes, but they have a solid social safety net, and people don't have to be afraid if um, you know they lose their job or they get sick or something like that. You know, they, it's not this dog eat dog. You know, uh, we have to have this rugged individualism. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think this rugged individualism has really uh, is really uh, nearing the end of its uh, its uh, usefulness. Yeah, if it ever was, you know, because I mean, how many people don't even have have bootstraps to you know pull those uh, those bootstraps exactly. up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I love yeah. when these rich politicians uh, say, "Oh well, you know, we're going to cut Medicare and Social Security because older people really do want to work longer." Yeah, you think so? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody wants to work until they, you know, they're 100 years old, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they want to crawl to work and drop dead on the job, you know, because we want yeah. to work so long and, and not have a retirement that we can enjoy after, you know, 40, 50 years in the workforce, uh, I, I, I tell you. Um, yeah, but, you know, getting back to... To these ideas of, you know, storytelling and, and divination uh, to, to kind of help us heal and, 
uh, maybe avoid abuse and trauma or help us thrive. Um, I was talking to a friend recently who has had a lot of loss. Uh, in the last year or so, and I was likening what she was going through to Inanna, you know, the Inanna myth where she goes to the underworld and, you know, she's stripped of this and stripped of that. And I think seven, she's stripped of like seven um, uh, veils or clothing, jewelry, everything till she's like laid bare. Um, But then, but then there's the rebirth, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, we've been laid low, and but then you know if we're lucky, there's a there's a rebirth. Do you find that that's usually um, the bright spot, the hope at the end of the hero's or heroine's journey, so to speak? Yeah, I I do think that's really true, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned Inanna because. Um, before I got into the Celtic goddesses, Inanna was my main goddess. I I was like making paintings about her her descent and her return, and I felt like my life was Inanna <laughs> for many many years. There was a lot of uh, uh, dying, letting go, being reborn, all of that. But I do, really do think that it is that. As as terrible as it is, I mean, none of us, you know, we don't want to have trauma and abuse and all the horrible things that exist in the world. But no, if at least human beings could be nicer to each other, it would be great. Um, but no matter what, in a physical, three-dimensional experience based on duality, there is going to be good and bad. And so we're going to have good things and bad things that happen. Um, and I think that in in particular, back to the Celtic goddesses, there are some, like Inanna, that um, are archetypes that can help, that if you were, say, working with a divination tool, like an oracle deck, and you chose one of these, then it might help you to recognize um Maybe you were at a point where you weren't even you weren't even verbalizing to yourself that, that you were experiencing trauma, and so it might help you to recognize that, or the totality of the story might help you to see that, okay, I'm in this and it's terrible, but I'm going to get to the other side, and there's going to be some wisdom and some gems that I get from this. So, right, um, right. like there is there is one story that is one of my favorites because she's very, um, um, what's the word, maligned, maligned by most people. Uh, Bledved, I think if I'm pronouncing it correct, is one of the Celtic goddesses. Now, Bledved, she's part of a very long story of Ariantrad, but I'm not going to go into all that because it's way too long. But there was a young man who was going to be king, and because he had been cursed by his mother, Ayantad, on various levels, one being that he would never marry a, a woman, he would never be able to marry a woman, you know, a woman, uh, I can't remember the wording, but he couldn't really marry a woman <laughs> of uh, um, Wales. This is another Welsh story. And so his father, who was a magician, 
this a woman born of whales or something like that. But it was about like, you know, a real live born woman. So what his father, the magician, did was got together with another magician and they created a woman out of flowers. So she was never in utero. She was never born. They did magic spells and put these flowers together. And there she was, full grown as a woman, blood vet. And she was beautiful. But she had no mind. She had no autonomy. She was she hadn't gone through any experience of being born and being a child and falling down and getting up. She was just this, you know, being created by men for another man to have as a wife. <laughs> and so she fulfilled that because she didn't know that there was really other any options or anything. But then as time went on, there was a man who she fell in love with. And he fell in love with her. But obviously she was married to now the man who was going to be the king. And so there was nothing she could do. But finally they she decided that she couldn't live like that. And so she and the man she had fallen in love with came up with a scheme. And the scheme was some way to kill the her, you know, the husband she was married to, which they did. And then the magician, the father magician, uh, brought the king back to life, hunted her down, found her, and turned her into an owl, which then she lived, she lived for eternity as an owl, who, of course, is a being of great wisdom. And so she came into her own and claimed her own desires, made her own reality, suffered because of it, and yet ended up as a divine and wise being. So hmm. there's a lot the person could reflect on about their own life if they were using this divination tool of the deck and, and chose that in terms of looking at, well, where am I in my life? And, you know, is there something going on like that for me? Right. Well, and and also, you know, for the woman who maybe uh, feels stuck uh, in a in a life that doesn't offer her many options, uh, to look at your options. You know, they always exist, but choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go down the path of violence. (laughs) Find another way. <laughs> Judith, um, we're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your Celtic goddess deck and, um, you know, in using the cords to maybe, uh, you know, using divination uh, as opposed to the stories that are, you know, spelled out and have a beginning, middle, and end, you know, how we can use a, um, a divination deck to maybe help us uh, dealing with trauma or abuse or, um, you know, maybe self-worth issues. So think about that while um, I, uh, I share with listeners uh, this word from Joe Carson. Okay. This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a Gardnerian high priest of the Whitecroft line, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book, Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Feriferia Path. I love this book, how special this work is and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s 
and through the years only found snippets of information on Feriferia, one of the first modern pagan paths, this book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the goddess and gods reborn for the next age of the Divine Maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background, philosophy and ritual practices of the joyous wilderness mysteries of the fairy faith, illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Feriferia's founder, Fred Adams. I was very pleased that the high-quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Feriferia. Celebrate Wildness is a dense, art book quality, hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Feriferia website at feriferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And if you're new to the show, um, and uh, this might be the first time you're listening, you might not have heard about the Divine Feminine app. So I want to make sure you know about that. Um, Women uh, have been finding the Divine Feminine app each and every day since 2016 as a resource for finding local sacred circles, events, and resources. The Divine Feminine app has a new feature where newly added and local events are sent out every Tuesday. So if this sounds like something that might be useful to you, maybe you just moved to an area and you want to find out uh, if there are other goddess chicks around and what they're doing, uh, go to the Divine Feminine app.com and register it's quick and easy it doesn't cost anything and you'll see what's going on in your area and uh, you'll be put on the email list Um, also uh, you can uh, as a benefit to our listeners uh, you can click on upgrade membership and scroll down and use the code sacred feminine to get a 90-day access to entering your own featured events that will be sent to local users and you know what it's not just local Local events you'll find uh, when you go to the Divine Feminine app, but other uh, soul-filled, sacred feminine, virtual, and online events uh, are listed there uh, on this Divine Feminine app, as well as retreats, profiles, and podcasts like ours and more. So remember, Divine Feminine app, whether you're the organizer of an event or um, if you're looking for uh, something in your area or you know, just anywhere else around the world or around the country. So I am uh, talking today with Judith Shaw, and our topic is storytelling and divination as a remedy for healing. So Judith, um, before we went to commercial, I was asking you to uh, think about uh, examples maybe of how we can use uh, tarot cards or like your oracle deck, your Celtic goddess deck or your animal wisdom oracle deck, how can pulling a cord or two or three help us if we're experiencing abuse, trauma, you know, having self-esteem issues, uh, that sort of thing? Um, Yeah, sure. Well, of course, you know, if a person is using any kind of a deck, you're, you know, you shuffle and you cut the you cut them and shuffle and then you choose your card or cards and so the 
the theory behind it is that it's your intuitive subconscious mind consciousness that is that has chosen this card for you in that moment and there is some wisdom in it for you and so what i would say that if a person is working with a divination tool um for me it works better in that way than as something to predict oh yeah this is what's going to happen it's more about going with inside myself and trying to figure out well what you know why do these problems keep occurring what is it that's happening how can i solve this and so if you choose a card then there's the visual aspects of the card that of course are beyond words and that can bring some emotional awareness to the forefront for you and the myths themselves are really beyond that rational kind of word place that we exist in our culture so like as you had asked before we went to break i went okay well let me just pull a card here from the celtic death deck and the one that i pulled is ardio which of course you know we don't have any visuals but ardio is a bear goddess and so in the in the card the way that i represented her um she's standing and she's got like a bear mask and sort of hood thing on covering her face and her shoulders and she's holding a basket of you know a cornucopia basket and there's two little bear cubs down by her feet and she's outside there's trees behind her and a night sky and so just looking at that without even reading anything you would say well what's coming up for me when i look at this why is this woman wearing this bear uh mask and who are these bears and what do bears mean well let's see bears hibernate and so they're sleeping they're dreaming it's a time for introspection and then you can also open the guidebook that comes with my decks and any decks that are out there they i wouldn't say every single one of them some of them don't have guidebooks but guidebooks are very helpful to help you then um help the person figure out and understand and so for instance in my guidebook that goes with the celtic goddess deck a person who would draw uh ardio one of the first things they would see would be what i call the divinatory meaning and it says a time for introspection is at hand allow your internal knowledge to transform into a full understanding of the power and abundance of the natural world see the difficulties of the moment and trust that the universe always provides you with what you need know that you are protected so if you read on and learned about her myth you would see then how one gleans that kind of information from this particular goddess but for the person who is trying to figure out something for themselves about their life it it kind of says oh wait a minute i i've really been rushing around and i'm never stopping to reflect i'm just like running from one project to the next and i'm feeling uh, and then my boss is yelling at me at work and that's making me feel really bad and affecting my self-worth and i just pulled this card and it's telling me oh slow down look inside yourself so you know that's the way i think that it works for people 
Okay. Well, you know, I actually have an interesting story about pulling cards, and um, <clears throat> I have to admit, this is not something, it's not my first go-to, you know, but I think I'm going to start using it more often. It seems like everybody around me is starting to do this so much more often. Um, I almost feel like, okay, uh, it's, it's saying I should get back to this. But um, <laughs> my husband and I were uh, planning to go look at a piece of property, and we had to fly out of town to do it. Now, we had taken dozens and dozens of airplane flights. Never, 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 ever did we um, have happened what happened this day. Our alarm clock didn't go off. And so this that disturbed me greatly, greatly, because I knew we set the alarm the night before, but it didn't go off. And so I'm in the shower mulling this over, and something told me to go to this deck that I had. It's called the Way of the Cartouche. It probably only has 20 or 25 cards in it. It's an Egyptian deck. And, um, and I pulled a card. And the card I pulled was fire, and the fi- and it's and it talked about appliances not working, and it talked about not frittering away my money. Okay, so my alarm clock uh-huh. didn't work that morning. We were thinking about going by property, and I then I, I you know we don't wake up. I pulled this card, and I said, okay, sure, yeah, you know I'm just making it fit the the circumstances, you know, because I'm the skeptical Virgo. I pulled the cords, I shuffled and and shuffled and shuffled and pulled the cord two more times. Each time the fire cord came up. You know what? I thought, you know what? This is the universe or my subconscious talking to me. We didn't make the trip. We didn't go by the land. And I just thought the the circumstances, the coincidences were too much. I was not going to tempt fate. That a lot of people wouldn't have done that. They would have just completely discounted it and gone ahead with this trip. So kudos to you for listening to your intuition. Because well, so often, you know, um, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, that's what I see. That's what I see these tools as. What what they really do is help us to access our own intuition. And what is our own intuition? You know, is it? perhaps our higher higher spirit coming through talking to us you know i don't know but right. when we follow our intuition it usually is better <laughs> than when we don't right and i mean right. you can you can think of many incidences in your life when um you know you you got an intuition you didn't follow it and then oops something happened that wasn't so great <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you were getting the signs, but you ignored the signs. I mean, you know, yeah. how often do we maybe put up with toxic friends or a toxic work environment? Um, I just had a friend recently who, you know, was dealing with an issue, and, you know, she went and pulled the reverse empress. And, you know, it, it sort of helped her validate how she was going to deal with a situation, you know, she has in front of her. I mean, and look, it's not to say we have to pay any attention to these things, but, you know, it might be additional information. You know, if you, our intuition is flowing, uh, let the spigot flow, and then it's up to you if you want to pay attention to the message or not, right? Exactly. And, I mean, sometimes it isn't even something like, specific about, you know, like, should I take the, you know, the the signs are telling me don't take this trip, which is a very kind of physical thing. 
a lot of times it's more about our own internal blockages. And a lot of times we have internal blockages because of trauma that we've had. Because that's, you know, we, we, we have to dissociate to deal with the pain. And sometimes yeah. story can help us to get past that dissociation, I think. Yeah, I think so. And so let the me ask you something like that. So you, you, your animal deck, the new one that's out, um, for instance, uh, some of the animals in the deck are hawk, uh, horse, lion, owl, polar bear, reindeer. I know we're going to talk about reindeer in a minute. Um, what does reindeer tell us when you pull, uh, pull up a reindeer? Well, reindeer are really amazing animals who have uh, learned how to survive in the harshest of conditions. And um, so reindeer, if you pull reindeer, it's letting you know that you might be in a really difficult time right now, but you've got the strength within yourself to go ahead, to, to get through it and to survive and to thrive. Okay. And also reindeer really helps using sense it helps you with your sensitivity. They're very, very sensitive. Okay. Um so and you have also, a special reindeer was a sacred animal. To many of uh many of the semi nomadic people of northern Europe, reindeer was a sacred animal. And um their horns were often depicted carrying the sun, moon, birds and stars, and they were associated with the tree of life. Yeah, and then just as a little prelude to what we'll be talking about later with my story is it was on the winter solstice, it was the deer mother who was the flying reindeer who took flight and brought light and new life to the people in some of these hmm. really ancient myths from Northern Europe. Okay, well, you know what, let's talk about that now um, because we're getting toward the end of, uh, you know, our our time to chat. I know you have a project coming up, um, Elena and the Reindeer Goddess, and you had a little excerpt in uh, one of my favorite blogs, uh, the Feminism and Religion uh, feminism and religion blog. I highly recommend it to anyone. It helped me, uh, you know, reading the essays from contributors like Judith. It really helped me through a dark and difficult time. Um, why don't you share that excerpt, um, uh, Judith, and tell us, or you know, give us a little bit of uh, pre-story, and uh, then maybe read that if you would. Um, sure. Um, well, you know, actually, I discovered the reindeer goddess, I'm going to, what, 20, 2017, I think it was, when I first discovered the reindeer goddess, because it was, I was, gonna, I was writing a blog post for, uh, for feminism and religion, and it was in December, and it was like, well, I want something to do with winter solstice, and I started doing research, and I discovered the reindeer goddess, who, uh, in fact, she was, let me see, I don't want to say the uh, culture's wrong, like the, the, some of the, the Sami people, uh, the semi-nomadic Sami people, Lithuanians and Latvians, uh, plus others have stories of a reindeer goddess. And they, in, let's see, it's the uh, Lithuanians, myth has the goddess and they call her Saul, I think you pronounce it, 
And she would fly across the heavens in a sleigh pulled by her reindeer, who, by the way, were always female, because there are there, reindeer are the only species that the females grow uh, antlers, and the males have lost their antlers by December 21st, and the females haven't. So anyway, she would fly across the heavens in the sleigh pulled by her reindeer and throw apples and pebbles of amber, like little bits of sun, down to the world of humans below. So that kind of got me really excited about the reindeer, reindeer goddess, and that kind of was back burner. I want to write some modern retelling of this, and and then and I didn't, and I didn't, and then I kind of started it, and then it got back burnered, and then there was that conjunction in winter solstice of 2020, which was uh, what was it now? It was the two stars, the two planets that came together and made a really really bright star. Uh, anyway, I, it's like that got me back into the reindeer goddess and the winter solstice, and so I started developing this story, and I've never written anything like this, so it's way out of my comfort zone, and uh, kudos to Kate Johnson, who is my editor, and has helped me through this, and now I'm working on the illustrations, uh, and so I, in the first few months, of the winter, I'm publishing excerpts, but I won't be publishing the whole story on feminism and religion. So last month, I kind of published the beginning, the first excerpt, which introduced grandmother and Elena, and it was nighttime. Grandmother had a dream. She got up. She wakes up. Elena tells her they have to go. They have something they have to do. And, you know, Elena's saying, well, okay, but why? Where are we going? And they get on their coats and they go off. And she and Elena wants to know, well, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? So she tells her that it's because they have to go help. So the reindeer, the reindeer goddess in my story is called Raina. And grandmother and Elena are starting off before dawn because grandmother's had a dream that reindeer, that Raina needs their help. And so she's telling uh, Elena the story because Elena doesn't really know the story of her ancestors, Reindeer Goddess. So she tells her, our people knew her as Reina. Sometimes she was seen as a woman who flew through the skies in a chariot pulled by reindeer. At other times, she was seen as a flying reindeer herself. Reina oversaw the sun and the moon in their dances with earth. She loved the conversation between earth and sky, the way sky kisses earth at the horizons the way the sun of day sky warms and nourishes our world, the way the moon of night sky moves through its phases, the way the dark night sky transports us to serious realms of imagination. For Raina knew that though darkness gives rise to fear, all answers lie in the quiet darkness found within. It was her job to guide the sun on its path across the sky pulling it with her chariot through long summer days and short winter ones. But on the day of the winter solstice, the sun barely appears in the far northern land of our ancestors. On this night, called Mother Night, Raina flies through the night sky, guiding our hearts to hope. For many long years, our people trusted in Raina to maintain the balance between the light and the dark. Raina's promise was twofold. She taught that both seeds and inspiration take root in darkness and that the cycle of seasons will continue. For each seed holds the light and growth of spring deep within itself. 
Since the days of Raina's promise, we human folk have been busy, 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 building civilizations, creating gadgets, gaining power, moving further and further away from our connection to nature. Centuries have passed since people truly paused to honor the quietness of winter. But grandmother, said Elena, why are you telling me this now and where are we going? Elena, I tell you this ancient tale because reindeer goddess came to me in a dream last night. She told me that she has a great gift to give humankind tonight, a gift that will change the world by opening the hearts of all to love and showing us how to live in harmony with all creation. But she needs our help. The world has changed so much and people no longer understand our reindeer goddess and the beauty of the darkness. And we both know that what people do not understand, they can easily fear. She needs us to help her. Tonight is the mother night, the winter solstice, when the night is longest. So we must hurry as Raina begins her preparations at dawn. And so that's what I published, you know, just today. And then next month, you can check back at the Feminism and Religion blog. Um, I publish the fourth Wednesday of every month. And uh, that's when you're going to meet Raina and discover how Elena and grandmother will help her. And that's probably <laughs> the last one that I will excerpt that I will be publishing. And I'm hoping to have so, all of the illustrations ready and the book out by next winter, by this winter of 2023. So, oh, so that's, well, that was my next question. So it's going to be a full-fledged book. Um, uh, yes, it's uh, an illustrated, illustrated fairy tale. <laughs> wonderful. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, your art is so incredible, and you're a really good storyteller, too. Um, well, one so last um, question for you, I think, Judith, unless, you know, we, we you know, uh, carry this on a little bit further. Uh, before we started the show, uh, we were chatting, waiting to go live, and you said uh, you realized, I think, getting ready for the show or something like that, um, how looking into these myths had actually, uh, I think, af- affected your psyche a little bit, too. Um, do I have that right? Did you want to share that? Um, yeah, um, I guess it's, it's very like unspecific, but I would just say that for myself in my adult life, it's been sort of a difficult journey. Um, choosing to be an artist is not an easy path, especially if you stubbornly stick to it and refuse to get a job job that will pay you well, (laughs) but, but kind of takes all of your energy. So instead I just you know, did weird things all, all all over the place, but never developed a real career that pays money. And so it's been a real financial struggle most of my life. And uh, you know, when money is tight, it creates anxiety and fear, back to what we were talking about before. There's no safety net. There's no help. What am I going to do? Am I going to be a bag lady? All of that. And so it's been this kind of just, under the surface anxiety, which I think pushed me to always be working, working, and doing, doing, and do this and do that, and go, 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 and try and make this happen, and apply to this, and so just like, you know, that kind of energy affecting me for many, many, many years, and it's been 10 years now that I've been first, you know, five years researching the Celtic goddesses, and then another five years researching all the stories behind the animals 
And but the some of the goddesses and some of the animals some of them just touched me super deeply. And just this past couple of weeks I've realized that I don't have that feeling any longer of anxiety. And nothing has changed. I'm still like, you know, financially always on the edge. But I don't have that feeling of anxiety any longer. I don't feel like I have to keep doing this or doing that. I'm just doing whatever I'm doing when I'm doing it. But it's like anxiety level is gone. And I just, I don't know, in preparing for this, I I went, wait a minute. I think it's because I've been delving into these stories for so long now. Hmm, interesting. Well, and, and you were saying, too, you you, uh, you think there's power in telling our own stories? Well, yeah, that's something that I've just, you know, started to learn about myself. Um, there's actually another uh, contributor over at Feminism and, and Religion, Norette Brinner is her name, who recently uh, just published, well, actually it was an older post, but it came from our archives, and it's called Storytelling as a Spiritual Practice. And in this, it's using, it's a method in which people are telling their own stories as a way to heal themselves. Um, and so she, she's writing about that in, in this article over at uh, Feminism and Religion. And, you know, I don't think she mentions it, but I know it just came to my mind that I mean, we're all, we all have heard about Alcoholics Anonymous, and what is that? But people coming together who have had traumas that probably are what contributed to their alcoholism and then the trauma created by alcoholism, and now they're, try, now they're wanting to overcome that, and they come together and they tell their stories to each other. So, well, you know, think about when... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I was about to say, well, and think about when you go to a therapist or you have a friend who is, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a friend who lends their ear uh, and, you're, you know, you talk about your problems, which are your stories, you know, um, and, right. and, and, and so through talk therapy, uh, you end up, you know, as you tell your story, you uh, come to realizations um, and um, it it you know, it, it helps heal yourself. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That is what that is, isn't it? <laughs> it's storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just uh, last week I had, uh, I, I had, vol- you know, I, I told it, I think in the first episode back here, um, I told the listeners a little bit about why I had been gone for a few years. And it had to do with, the, you know, I was assaulted by someone wielding a stun gun. And then before I was even realized I had PTSD from that, my husband fell and hit his head and had a brain injury. And it totally turned our lives upside down. We just lost connection to everything. Uh, we were isolated up on a mountain, blah, 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 you know, for three years. We were like zombies on the couch. And um, anyway, I, uh, you know, I came out of that. Uh, and I was invited to tell that story at uh, an organization here in town called The Hearth, uh, where they do storytelling and they have musicians play music. And I decided to do it because, uh, number one, I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could overcome the PTSD because I had stopped being able to do things in public after the stun gun incident. And, you know, I, I wanted to challenge 
challenge myself and I wanted a barometer check to just see, you know, how did I feel inside now these years later, you know, after I've hopefully, you know, healed myself or, uh, you know, uh, healed myself uh, um, uh, almost. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, it went really well. On the path. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you, you worry that there's always some little, you know, wound there that that's going to be triggered. But um, it, it was really amazing to tell the story and hear other people's reactions to it. And I think we always hope that maybe our story will somehow touch someone and give them inspiration that you know what you can make it. You know. Um, there's, yeah. there's a gift in these horrible challenges, um, but you will find a way to make it. Um, so anyway, uh, it, uh, that's what you reminded me of, you know, uh, about right. this yeah, idea it's that same of thing. you were basically telling your story. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. I, absolutely, and yeah. I, I think it's important that we have people to listen, even if we have to. Uh, you know, whether we write it in a book or we pay a therapist or we have a good friend, uh, it's really important that we tell those stories. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, Judith, I want to leave you with the last word today uh, before uh, I, I, you know, I, I say goodbye. Um, any final thoughts uh, for listeners or about any of your projects? Anything maybe I forgot to ask you? Um, no, I mean, you know, there's, I don't know if there's anything super general, um, it, it more gets into particulars. Um, yeah, I would just say that I think that, uh, the, uh, the natural world holds many wonderful answers for us and that the myths and stories of our ancestors were their way of trying to make sense of the natural world that we're in and also increasing the understanding of our connection to it and to each other and to everything. And it's my hope that through all of the different things that we're doing now to bring back the voice of the sacred feminine, we can bring this world to a new, a new place with new stories to tell about inclusion and uh, and healing through inclusion instead of through trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really have to get to a point, I think, in our world where abuse and exploitation are taboo. You know, greed is looked at as a sickness. Uh, and, you know, we right. just need to manifest that new normal. You know, our mental health is important, and, uh, you know, we can't keep treating it like um, it's not, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yep. Well, Judith, thank you. And let's make sure we keep in touch when uh, that book comes out. I want to have you back and we'll make sure listeners know about it. And, um, and listeners, if you've enjoyed uh, Judith today, uh, go look in the Feminism and Religion uh, site online. Just put in feminine, Feminism and Religion and uh, you will see Judith's um, uh, essays there come up. So, Judith, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and uh, your incredible talent. Thank you for sharing with listeners. And thank you so much for making this show available for everybody and getting all the great conversations going. 
Well, thank you. It's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Judith. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, um, I guess uh, this is probably a good little segue to mention that uh, um, besides telling my story verbally, I also told my story in a book that I published a few weeks ago, uh, which I haven't actually done an official launch yet, uh, but it's called uh, Normalizing Abuse. Um, it, and it's a commentary on the pervasive abuse in our culture uh, in all aspects of our life, um, you know, whether it be academia, government, the workplace, religion, society and culture, family and friends, uh, the media, uh, all different aspects. Because uh, one of the realizations I came to when I was isolated up on my mountain uh, was I started to realize uh, we are like, you know, fish swim in water. Well, we are humans swimming in uh, abuse and exploitation in all facets of our life. And we have just become numb to it. We normalize it. We say this is just the way it is. Uh, and, um, you know, we endure it to survive. And uh, I would invite you to, you know, check that book out. I'll be talking more about it uh, in the weeks ahead. Um, but I tell my story in there uh, about my first and second Saturn return and a past life regression that uh, played into um, my realizations and my raised awareness. And then, um, you know, I bring up a lot of things that go on uh, in our lives across the globe that, um, you know, that happen to us that I don't think we are calling what it really is. You know, it is really abuse and exploitation, but, um, you know, we, we, as I said before, we just accept it as normal and we should not. We need to not be in denial and uh, we need to see things for what they are so that we don't continue to tolerate it, so that we look for options to uh, escape it. Um, okay, so that being said, I wanted to uh, mention a few other things. Um, uh, it was announced yesterday the movies uh, that are up for an Oscar, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water is one, and Women Talking is another. Well, uh, I saw Avatar, The Way of Water, and I have to say, um, I don't want to say this, I, I, uh, I really expected more. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie, but uh, it did not, I don't think, come close to the first in terms of the spiritual thread that ran through the first movie. Uh, I remember in the first movie, people were so moved that the Pope actually had one of his um, minions uh, come out and say, you know, make an announcement that nature will never replace religion. That's the spiritual impact the first avatar had on folks. This second one, not so much. I mean, how many bullets and bombs do you really need to fight people with spears, right? Come on. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to the third one. I hope maybe uh, James Cameron gets back to the spiritual thread. But um, I felt like, um, you know, maybe he just made almost another Marvel movie. Though it was absolutely gorgeous, you know, um, I was disappointed. But uh, the one I am looking forward to seeing, and I'm sure some people have seen it already, but um, but not me, um, 
is Women Talking. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, I think it's going to be playing in a few weeks where I live. And if you haven't heard about it, look into it. Uh, because Women Talking um, is about, uh, it's based on a true story. It's Mennonite women who were in Bolivia, I believe. Um, they were not allowed to learn to read or write. And the men in their congregation were drugging them. And when the women would wake up with bruises or, you know, abuse to their bodies, the men told them that uh, it was Satan who did that to them uh, in their sleep. And so the women are talking, and they realize what's going on, and they have to figure out how they're going to handle this abuse and exploitation that they're suffering at the hands of their men in this religious community. So um, there's that. Um, I also wanted to uh, mention uh, that we have got a radio signal from 9 billion light years away from Earth. It was captured uh, by a radio telescope in India. So you can Google that if you want to learn more about it. Um, it says uh, the signal was detected by a unique wavelength known as a 21-centimeter line. Um, the signal captured by this telescope in India could mean that scientists can start investigating the formation of some of the earliest stars and galaxies. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, kind of cool, right? Also, uh, if you didn't hear about it, um, Brett Kavanaugh, you know, maybe, you know, the Supreme Court Justice, who was so controversial uh, when he was nominated by uh, Donald Trump uh, because uh, there were so many tips uh, about him uh, in his college days, um, there's actually a move, a, a uh, Oh, at the film festival uh, that was out, Sundance Film Festival, uh, they secretly uh, showed this new documentary about him. And uh, they kept it quiet, I guess, because they didn't want any pushback. They didn't want anybody to stop them or try to stop them from being able to show this, this docu-film about Kavanaugh. And uh, it turns out that during the Trump administration, uh, the White House prevented the FBI from reaching out to 4,500 people who sent in tips prior to Kavanaugh's confirmation to the Supreme Court. Uh, and those tips uh, went to the White House, and they, of course, they just died there. But anyway, the producers of the docu-film are uh, saying that they're going to investigate this, and they may add this new information to the film. Uh, I certainly want to be first in line to go watch that. And um, uh, Glenn Kirshner uh, who I think is a former judge, if I have that right, um, he said that uh, there's no reason why a new investigation shouldn't be under undertaken by the Justice Department about all of this information that comes out on Kavanaugh. Now, you know, who knows whether it's true or not, but it certainly needs to be investigated. Uh, if it turns out to be overwhelming uh, against him, I would not have any faith that he would resign. Uh, but, you know, just uh, more troubles for this, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court that uh, 
you know, most people I don't think are very happy with uh, these days. Um, I have a caller. Um, I am going to try to say hello here and see if they have a question. Uh, so let's see if we can get them here. Hi, uh, this is Karen. You? Did you have a question? Hello? Am I live? Hello, did you have a question? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I accidentally disconnected her. Uh, I didn't think there was anyone there. Maybe she will call back. Um, so, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about all I had for you today. Uh, but before I close, um, let me share with you February's guests. Um, yeah, it's already going to be February next week. Can you believe it? Uh, on February 1st, uh, Stephen Gray, a teacher and writer about sacramental medicines, uh, we're going to be talking about um, the book he edited, How Psychedelics Can Help Save the World. Uh, then on February 8th, uh, Carolyn Boyd is with me. We're going to discuss the hospitality of goddess culture as a tool for healing. Uh, we'll discuss, you know, what what is hospitality culture, and um, you know, what can we cherry pick from that to make the world a better place. Uh, Beth Bartlett is uh, going to be here on February fifteenth. Uh, we're going to be talking about restoring sisterhood. Um, you know, we all know being out there that uh, it's fraught with peril, uh, but there's some new ideas on um, what sisterhood can look like. And then February 2nd, uh, Emmanuel Etier is with me. He is the producer over at Wonderland Entertainment. Uh, he's going to be talking about a number of the films that he's made. Um, and uh, our theme for the day is In Oneness, Let's Heal the World. Uh, so I'm trying to give my caller a minute to get back here on the switchboard. Uh, if she does in the next minute or two here, I think I might be able to still answer her question. Uh, but um, that about does it uh, for me for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, please tell your friends and share the word that Karen Tate and Voices of the Sacred Feminine is back. And uh, I see my work as being where spirituality, personal transformation, transformation and social justice all meet. Uh, please go to my Facebook page. I'm consolidating my pages very shortly and the only page I'll have on Facebook soon is the Voices of the Sacred Feminine radio page. Uh, please follow me there. There will be much more uh, besides just radio show information. Uh, also check out my new website. Uh, it's called uh, uh, tools for Transformation with Karen Tate, and it's at karentate.net. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. I know you have uh, lots of choices, and uh, I certainly appreciate your listener loyalty. Um, if you would like to um, chat with me on the air, please do call in. Uh, I do try my best uh, to uh, work callers into the show. And... Um, I guess I will wait. Wait, here's my caller. Let's give her one more shot here. Hi, are you there? I am. Hi. Did you have a question? Can you repeat that? Did you have a question for me? 
Yes. I have a question. What is the meaning of the higher powers and how do they work for us? Oh, wow, ma'am, that is a big question, and it means lots of different things to lots of people. Um, you know, uh, why don't you... Is this not uh, the right you... episode? Not exactly, not exactly. Um, if you want to contact me at, at my email address, karentate108 at yahoo.com, I'll do my best to uh, refer you some places where you might be able to get a little bit more information on that. But I appreciate you listening to the show today, and I appreciate you calling in. Um, just remind me who is your off. guest. My but guest wait, remind was me Judith, who is Judith Shaw. Guest? Judith Shaw, Judith we Shaw. talked about storytelling. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Nor a New Orleans native? Yep, she was a New Orleans right? native. Thank you, ma'am. I really have to go. The show is Can ending right now. Can she tell me how she progressed or was it something she was born with? I will ask her, and uh, if you send me an email, I'll ask her to get back in touch with you. Thank you for calling. Well, I don't have a producer to screen calls, um, it, but we hope maybe we can get in touch with that lady and help her, uh, point her in the right direction. Um, but the show has come to an end today, and again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll be back with me next week uh, when I talk to Stephen Gray about uh, sacred hallucinogens. Uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>